What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. This is the podcast where there are no rules and no topic is off limits. Here we are leaving the filtered, curated and socially acceptable version of ourselves at the theoretical door and together we will walk into a world of radical self-expression, true authenticity and deep vulnerability. This podcast is for you if you're a stigma fighter, a shame slayer, a woman desiring to call in her aligned partner, or simply a woman sick of not showing the fuck up to her life as her true authentic self. I cannot wait to welcome you into my world and connect with every single one of you. Strap yourself in because we are only just getting started. Let's fucking go. Oh my goodness, we are live with the most incredible, smart, beautiful, sexual, and very empowered woman, Adrian, the Yoni Nutritionist. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for that welcome. When I look yes. at you, that's what I think. Someone who is so empowered, who is so knowledgeable, who is so educated, who is really here to serve and support women to thrive. And just looks like she is thriving herself. Yes. Well, it took me a really long time to get here to this point. But yes, I can, I'm happy to say that, yes, I am now thriving. And my vagina is happy and I'm happy. So oh my goodness. when she's happy, I'm happy. Amazing. Amazing. I agree. Me too. So with that in mind, for anyone who has not yet had the privilege of connecting with you, finding you, being in a program with me and having you come in as a guest speaker, can you share with the listeners who you are, where you're from and what it is that you do in the world? Yes. Hello, everybody. My name is Adrian, and I am the Yoni Nutritionist. I'm a holistic nutritionist and I guess you could say like women's health coach. And I specialize in holistic nutrition and wellness for women's sexual health, particularly around the very common chronic vaginal infections like yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis, UTIs, and the very common STIs like HPV and herpes. I have lived with all of these things for about half of my life now, and I have at one time really struggled with my own chronic issues with these things from chronic yeast infections to chronic bacterial vaginosis to candida overgrowth UTIs to a genital herpes and HPV diagnosis in the same year in my early 20s, not knowing anything about that stuff. And there was also a period of time where I went through chronic genital herpes outbreaks for almost three years. And I've learned how to manage all of these things naturally because I spent so much time, energy, and money going to doctors who would just prescribe me with medication and send me home, but not really understanding the root cause of these things. So I have spent years of my own experience, plus years of personal development and going back to school to study holistic nutrition to learn all of this stuff so I can help other women who are going through the same things as I was. Because I, at the time, I thought I was the only one. I was like, am I the only person in the world that's going through this? Surely not. And I'm from Canada, by the way. I'm Canadian. And uh, I love that. And I think that I love touching on exactly what you just said there, that as this is occurring, the first thought is I'm the only, and there's so many different ways, avenues that we could talk about in everything that you just shared, but it's all related to our Yoni, right? And the first thought that comes up when any of these things arise within the self is I'm the only person going through this experience. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's really hard when you don't have a support system. And when you don't feel supported by, like the only person you can trust with your health, which is your doctor, and then who do you talk to? Well, unless you feel really comfortable with this stuff, which I don't know, like some people do, but some people don't. Mm-hmm. Most people suffer in silence and struggle in silence. And I I know I did for a long time. And it really affected the quality of my life. Not only was it physically uncomfortable, but it was my mental and emotional health that started struggling and suffering too. And it was really just trying to work, brought up a lot of shit. <laughs> Let's just say that. Lots of therapy. <laughs> I, I, I resonate to a very deep degree. I'm curious for everyone listening because, I mean, I even just got off a call with a client just before and she was like, Beck, 
The only other person in the whole world that I know that with test positive for the herpes virus is you. I am literally the only woman in America right now with this and no one, no man is ever going to accept me. My sex life is ruined. I am ruined. If my career was to find out about this, my employment would suffer. I can't have anyone know because I'm the only woman in America with the herpes virus. For any of these experiences that have to do with vaginal health, why do you feel that we suffer in silence? Why isn't it commonly spoke about? That's such a great question. It's the stigma. It really is just the stigma of STIs and vaginal health in general. Like we weren't taught properly this stuff. Like we didn't get the proper sex ed. We didn't get the proper training or education on our vaginal health, which is so intricate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into it from hormones to your gut health, to your immune system, to your nervous system, all this stuff. We weren't taught this stuff. So what else do we have left but to fear it? Because we fear what we don't really know. And that's where the stigma comes from is because so many people, especially around herpes, are taught to fear it because basically the sex ed that we had was to prevent us from having sex and to fear these things instead of understanding like how these things actually work in the body. And I find that when you take any kind of sexual aspect away from this stuff. Like for example, with herpes and oral cold sores, cold sores don't have the same stigma as genital herpes does yet. They're the same virus. (laughs) And a lot of people don't know that. And, you know, it's just because genital herpes is because it's genital and it's sexually transmitted. There's like layers of shit on top of it. And it's so unfortunate because it's only because of the fact that it's on your genitals and the fact that it's sexual. And that's where a lot of this stigma comes from with vaginal health issues is people are afraid of what they don't know. They get overwhelmed and they panic. You know, when somebody gets a herpes diagnosis, they don't want to learn anything about it. Google is the worst. Google is the worst. Dr. Eva, do not go on Google doctor. No, don't Google it. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's such a stigma behind it. And that's where this like, I'm never, who's going to want me? I'm the only person dealing with this. Like who's ever going to want to have sex with me? Who's ever going to want to love me again comes from. And I mean, that also goes a lot deeper. Like there's a lot of self-worth stuff to kind of Mm -hmm. unpack there too, but it really is because of the stigma. And I always say these vaginal health issues, especially ones like herpes and HPV, the STIs, like I always say that they're almost like a mirror that's held right up to your face, like right basically pressed into your face to really show you all of your shit very quickly that's needing to be worked through. And when I hear my clients tell me like, who's going to want to have sex with me? Who's going to love me? And I'm like, trust me, a lot of people will, but where is that story coming from? Because it's not the herpes. The Mm -hmm. herpes is just the messenger you know, bacterial vaginosis, UTIs, yeast infections, HPV, those things are just the messengers. What's, what's really underneath that? Where are those, where are those feelings are coming from? Mm, Preach. I love that. I call herpes an amplifier and always ask women, you know, 9.9 times out of 10, I would say prior to the herpes virus, were you just thriving? Was life just going your way? You were so in love with yourself. You'd look in the mirror and just see the beauty that is you, You felt confident to express yourself and you were just going for life, just lady balls to the wall, going for it. And they'll turn around and say, no, I wasn't having that experience. Majority of the time. I'm like, great. So is herpes almost the greatest gift in really fucking strange wrapping paper or any kind of these uh, vaginal infections that are saying, the way that you're living your life is just not working. So let me give you something to interrupt the pattern that you're in so that you actually start to look at it and work on it. Because imagine living your life for another 20 years like that. <laughs> I would have been a recluse. I would have been a wild. I mean, I still am. It didn't prevent me from being a wild woman kind of like sexually anyways, but I, I'm a bit more of a conscious hoe now, yeah. you know, I'm a mindful hoe, <laughs> but it really, I like how you describe it. It's the best gift in the weirdest wrapping paper. Like it, it really forced me to really look at my health, prioritize my health and my self care mm-hmm. and the way that I'm having sex with people and the partners that I'm choosing. And just, it really has brought up a lot of shit very fast. And it really forced me to work on that stuff that I should have worked on all years ago, but I wasn't ready. 
Mm-hmm. And this has shown me like, hey, there's some stuff here that needs to be worked through to kind of get over like what's really triggering, especially herpes outbreaks. That's such a great place to go because one thing that I really love about your message is you have literally said that you've overcome chronic genital herpes outbreaks. And something that's reflected back to me frequently is that the women who speak about herpes on the internet don't understand because what I'm hearing from the majority of them is they get very infrequent outbreaks. Whereas my experience of it is that it's every month, it's just before my cycle, it's multiple times a month. How am I ever going to navigate a natural, normal relationship and sex life with chronic vaginal outbreaks? And I let them know, you know, this is deeply triggered by stress, deeply triggered by our thoughts, deeply triggered by our emotions, our emotional state, the fact that our body is in survival mode and we're so intensely stressed and women have overcome this too. So can you speak a little bit into that? Yes. Oh my God. So I've had herpes for 20 years, almost. I got it when I was about 20, 21 and I'm 40 now. So 20 years. 15 years of that, I rarely had outbreaks. It wasn't an issue in my life. I maybe had like five outbreaks in that 15 years. And it wasn't until I went back to school to study holistic nutrition, go figure. <laughs> I love this story. Was, yeah. Did they start becoming once a month, then twice a month, then like back to back. And then I'd have a window of about a week and then bam, another one. And this lasted three years And and at the time, I didn't understand why this was happening because this had never happened to me before. And it was such a mindfuck, to be honest. Like it was physically uncomfortable, but I, you know, I was single at that time. I was stressed, like 27 out of 10 stressed when I was Mm -hmm. studying because it was such an intense program. And I didn't realize how much that stress was affecting me. And I can tell you, it's funny because I was taking supplement, like I was loading up on supplements. I was taking my antivirals as a daily suppressive therapy, even twice a day. I was doing all the yoga. I was doing all the things right. Mm -hmm. But because I was so stressed, that's what was continuously triggering these outbreaks. And herpes is a virus and it's a virus of the nervous system. And when your nervous system is constantly in fight or flight in Mm -hmm. like a prolonged period of stress, like the one I had when I was in school, or maybe like some people are in a home environment where they're having this stress or in a relationship where they're feeling this stress, they're feeling Mm -hmm. this like constant chronic high level fight or flight panic stress Mm -hmm. that can trigger all kinds of physiological responses in your body, including the release of the stress hormone called cortisol. And all of these things, when this cortisol gets elevated, it can weaken your immune system and like trigger your nervous system. And then your whole physiology is thrown off and cause a lot of inflammation in your body and all that sort of thing. And that means your immune system is trying to do all kinds of different jobs. And this is why your body is having a harder time fighting off the herpes virus because your immune system just can't keep up with all of this stress. This is music to my ears because the women that I call in, they're high performers. They're also highly value their body. So they're like, Beck, I'm doing every fucking thing right. I am getting the sleep. I am drinking the high quality water. I'm drinking the Fijian water. I'm taking the multivitamins. I've got lysine. I'm doing the infrared sauna. I'm doing the cold therapy. I do all the things to to nurture my body. I've listed all the natural supplements I could take. I'm even double dosing on antivirals. I'm up to a thousand milligrams a day and they still, the outbreaks won't leave me. Uh Continue because this is just music to these women's ears. Ladies, you know, I'm talking to you right now. Listen. Yes, honeys. Listen, I used to be that girl too. I was in a corporate sales environment for years. I was also a high performer, type A, completely like masculine energy woman. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I talk a lot about energy and like when you're looking at a holistic approach to managing this stuff, I talk about energy. I talk about diet supplements and stuff like that, but also energy and stress plays a huge role in this. And for a lot of high-performing type A women like this, like I used to be, it's really hard to relax. It's really hard to slow down. It's really hard to back off and like prioritize your self-care. Sit on a Sunday afternoon and read a book, especially if you've got like ADD, you need to like do all the things all the time like me. 
it's really hard, but I can tell you that was the biggest thing I think that helped me during this recovery phase, which took a couple of years, this recovery phase. Cause I was, I was on mm. a burnout. It's called adrenal fatigue. It's fucking real girls. Look it up. Adrenal fatigue. It is real. It's like, you're burning out. You're burning the rubber. Like it's spinning and there's smoke coming up. Like mm. it takes a really long time for your body to come back to balance after you're going through this kind of like adrenal fatigue burnout phase. Mm -hmm. And what was the catalyst to my healing was slowing the fuck down and really like prioritizing my rest, prioritizing my sleep. Luckily I had like the freedom to have some time to be able to do that for myself. I was napping in the afternoons. I was like really taking care of myself, prioritizing every Sunday was my self-care day and I slowed the fuck down and then my outbreaks went from like, I don't even know how many a year to about maybe eight a year. And then it went to like four a year. And then it went to one a year. And now I don't get outbreaks anymore. The last outbreak I had was nine months ago, mm. nine months ago. And that was just circumstance. But, you know, during that time, it was a real mind fuck. Like I freaked out. I was like, I don't understand why this is happening all of a sudden where it wasn't happening before. And, you know, I started shaming and stigmatizing myself because I was going through the, who's ever going to want me now? Who's ever going to let, how am I going to be in a relationship now? How am I ever going to have sex with people? And weird things started happening to my body in this phase. Like I got it on my finger, which is commonly called herpes Whitlow. It was really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. What would you say to a woman? Because of course that's a natural, normal response to have. I was having frequent outbreaks so much so that I couldn't have sex with Jake. Of course, I'm a, I'm a human. I would feel like this is making me feel down. I feel like I'm impacting our relationship. How's this going to create desire? And how am I going to feel sexy with this experience? And is is it? I think the thing about that experience is the fear is is it ever going to end? This is mm -hmm. my life ongoing because that was my first fear when I had my first outbreak. My first outbreak was horrendous, and my thought was, is this it forever? So what would you say to the woman that's in that experience, chronic outbreaks, going through all of those limiting beliefs? You know, you had it for three years. I can only imagine what that did to your mental health. What would you say to that woman who thinks there's no end in sight? Yeah. And trigger wording, like I was suicidal at one point. I had the thoughts crossed my mind. And I hear this from a lot of people also. And it really, you feel hopeless. You feel helpless, frustrated because also for me, like I've always been very sexually empowered. And for me to not be able to have sex, that's like cutting my arm off, like mm -hmm. even worse. <laughs> I don't know. But what I can tell you for the women who are going through this, I can tell you, you can use me as an example that there is hope. There is hope and it won't last forever, but you really have to learn to manage it within yourself. I think the first thing is with these limiting beliefs. And I know it's really hard when you're in it, but those beliefs and the stress that those thoughts are causing you can perpetuate into more stress, which can kind of snowball into more stress, which then can trigger more outbreaks. Mm -hmm. So you really have to be careful of the thoughts that you're telling yourself and your mindset. And I think what really helped me was seeing, instead of seeing herpes and these outbreaks as such a horrible thing, seeing them as like an indication of what's going on in my body and being the messenger. Okay. Thank you, herpes. Like it, it's almost like I made friends with it. Thank you mm -hmm. so much for showing me that I need to do, to slow the fuck down. I need to work on myself. I need to learn how to take better care of myself. And you know, these women who are like working all the time and going into the saunas and lifting the weights and pumping and like going to the gym and doing all the things like that can also cause a lot of stress yeah. on your body. So it's like slowing down, like taking a step back and maybe doing lower impact exercises, mm -hmm. looking at your diet, looking at the supplements, you know, getting into nature and grounding yourself and looking at where this stress is coming from that is triggering your system to go into fight or flight. And I think the biggest question to ask yourself when you can identify that stress is when have I felt like this before? Because this stuff doesn't just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like there's always something and it's usually, of course, a childhood trigger or trauma of some kind. When have I felt like this before? 
and get a journal and start writing it down. And then being able to identify, oh, my biggest trigger was an unsettling home environment and like always having to perform, 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 and not ever being good enough, not being good enough, having to do better and more and more. And that's like, I got fucking straight A's <laughs> in school, but who gives a shit about that at the time I did? Cause I was like pushing myself and potentially, I'm not sure how you were raised, but it could be conditioning program. Your parents wanting the best for you. If you do well at school, then you'll be safe and secure. You'll go to university. You'll get a date, great job. Our daughter will be provided for you. My journey is very similar. You know, I got 0.3 under the TER mark that I committed to my father that I would get. I would have to explain why I didn't get if I got an A minus rather than A. So this desire to strive, even though our parents did it with the purest of intentions to set us up for success in our futures, is a deep condition of not being enough, always needing to be more, needing to do better, get the A, get the A plus, achieve well so I can go to uni. Therefore, it creates this belief system of not good enoughness. And then we end up with the virus. And of course, it's just further perpetuating all the deep-rooted, deep-seated thoughts that have stemmed from, like you said, childhood. Yep. And it's a lot of, I'm not good enough. And when you hear people say things like, who's ever going to have sex with me? Who's ever going to want me? I'm not good enough is what that's saying, you know? Mm -hmm. And that is probably the most common thing I hear from people who live with herpes is this Mm -hmm. deep self-worth, deep rooted, you know, thing that comes from childhood. It is like a trauma and it's like ingrained in your nervous system subconsciously. You don't even realize it until you kind of you know, talk to luckily people like us who are talking about it because no doctors will ever tell you this stuff, you know, and it's just like, then you can start to do the work to kind of resolve those feelings. I was in therapy for years. I still am doing the work. Like it's, it's never ending. I think as you grow, the reward of doing the inner work, the self-worth work, facing off with our trauma, creating a relationship with the inner child, because the work that we do, It isn't like someone's like, you're a herpes coach. And I was like, I am not a herpes coach. Yes, (laughs) women come to me with that pain that they're experiencing. But what I'm trained in is what people go through, the pain of herpes will show up in a different vehicle for other humans. But it's still the same. What I'm hearing is it's facing off with your trauma, creating a relationship with your inner child, and then nervous system work. Because especially for the high-performing women, we go, 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 go all the time and there's no balance to that. There's no down regulation. So we're continuously upregulating our bodies. The nervous system is just like, I am just alive, on fire all the time and I need to relax and we're doing nothing to take us down because the fear of, and what I believe, and you can let me know your thoughts on this, the fear of the high performer slowing down is if we slow down and if we don't go, go, go all the time, then the thoughts of the inner child and the trauma will then come to the surface and we'll actually have time and space in our mind to look at it. And a lot of us are running the fuck from it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Nailed it, girl. You fucking nailed it. Yes. Because I used to do that too. Mm-hmm. I was in a corporate environment from a very young age and I was like striving to achieve. I was like, I think I started when I was 21 And I climbed the corporate ladder for eight years and then I was in sales and they laid off the whole sales organization, which was fine because I wanted a break anyway. And I went traveling. So I had some time. All of these things started coming up for me. And it was really, I was like, where the fuck? Like all these memories. And I'm like, I haven't thought about this in years. And then all the trauma started coming up. And then it was like, okay, whoa, this is too much to handle. I don't know how to deal with this. Let's hit the booze. (laughs) Let's start doing all the drugs and partying. And like, at that time I was in my twenties, I was having a blast, but you know, it was me running from that pain, avoiding it because it was too much. But, you know, like luckily for us, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I think we both help women be able to identify these things. And I know you're doing such a great job at empowering women through these things. For me and my work, like there comes a time I'm not a trained therapist, so I can only take it so far And to be able to help people to a point just based on my own experience and helping other people. But there does come a lot of deep, deep work that, you know, sometimes you do need the help of like a professional therapist or something like that for to get really into that. 100% because what I've come to see with clients and what they get to work out for themselves, some clients test positive for the virus have never, ever had an outbreak. So they're an asymptomatic carrier of the virus. 
and the same amount of shame and trauma still exists for them. But physically, they know it's actually not anywhere on their body. They're not having any experience around it. Nothing in life has changed except for the amplifier of the ineffective thoughts. Mm-hmm. Other clients have thought, well, once someone accepts me, once I get a relationship and he chooses me or she chooses me, then I'll no longer have to face off with it anymore. And then they call in this beautiful partner who's like, isn't herpes super common? Who cares? Like I'm pretty sure 50 to 80% of the population carry some strain of the virus. I'm all good with it. And she's going, oh, I still don't accept myself. And all the shame is still there on the surface. I've literally had male partners have a call with me to be like, Beck, how can I help her? Because I literally don't give a shit. Like if I get it, fucking who cares? I'm in a relationship with her. Whatever she's got, I've got. Whatever's mine is hers. Like I'm in this with her. And the same thoughts and fears of carrying the virus, of what people would think of them carrying the virus, of how he might feel about her with the virus still rise into the surface. So this is deep. It's not about getting someone else to accept us. It's not about how our body physically responds. It's really how we feel about ourselves. It really is. And especially for people who already struggle with anxiety and depression, this can be really debilitating because it's just one more thing to worry about. And it's like, sometimes people like to have things to worry about. So they'll just create, even if their partners are okay with it, they they just can't accept it themselves. And then they'll start worrying about other things like worrying about transmission to partners. Meanwhile, it's like they're carrying all the weight on their shoulders when meanwhile, the partner is like, listen, I'm okay with this. (laughs) And quite often, if guilt is modeled in our home as a child, we will take on that as an adult. Like, oh my God, if I was to be with Adrian and I was to transmit to her, even though she's like, Beck, I'm choosing you. I don't care if I'm on the receiving end of the virus. I'm like, no, but if I was to give it to her, I'd feel so guilty. And Adrian's like, but no, Beck, you've given me the empowered choice. And I'm saying, I desire to be with you. So maybe I get it. Maybe I don't. If we do, we'll cross that path together, but we're in this together. Because what I've been conditioned to see through perhaps my mother is feelings of guilt. I'm going to take on guilt that isn't even mine. That's called moral guilt. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. programmed, it's conditioned. This is a work that we still get to do. And that's the beauty of herpes. Yeah. Because if that didn't come up or, you know, if we didn't get herpes, if I didn't get herpes, I probably would have tried to push my healing work and my trauma work away for as mm-hmm. long as I possibly could. Agree. I was similar to you. I was going out partying, doing the drugs, taking the MDMA, having the best time. I was working on my body. I believe that everything outside of myself could be the thing to bring me the worth, the confidence, the courage, the happiness that I deeply desired. And herpes, once that occurred for me, it felt like everything that I was working for externally had been ripped. So I now had this conversation with God or whoever it is that you align with that was saying, got nowhere else to look now, bitch. Can't avoid this anymore. No MDMA, no drugs, no no body image is ever going to support you to feel good about this thing except for looking within and healing whatever core wound already existed for you. I'm just here to remind you that you looking externally is exhausting and you're never going to get to the place that you desire to go when you're looking there. Exactly. You know, like just hearing that our chat, like imagine something so minimal, like herpes bringing this stuff up. Like Mm -hmm. you think about what's going on in the world right now. And when you think about things that are way worse, like cancer, like I, I don't mean to diminish anybody's experience, you know, if they live with herpes, because trust me, I've been through it. (laughs) I know how it feels, but like, it, isn't it interesting to just notice, like, why is it herpes that brings up these feelings, these Mm -hmm. deep, deep, deep core wounds. And again, it just comes back to the stigma, the fact that we did not learn about this, the fact that people are so uneducated and afraid. And it really, it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. I, I do resonate with that to a very deep degree. Like my dad was in a little accent yesterday. He's fine, which is great, but it's like perspective when yeah. things occur that, you know, you know how there can be a car accident. If two cars hit, then people get out and be so angry about it. Like you did this, you damaged my car, blah, blah, blah. And then if there had been a really bad accident and someone was really hurt, you wouldn't even care about the damage on the car. And I feel like herpes is almost like the little car bingo where you're pissed off and you're like, I didn't fucking want this, but it's not the car crash. It's like it's a scratch on the car. The scratch on the car can actually be fixed. Mm -hmm. The car gone, you're fucked. Yep, such a great way of saying it. Yes, because, yeah, like herpes is, 
a pain in the ass. And of course, nobody wants herpes, it, but it is a minor inconvenience in life and can be managed. And if you are experiencing chronic outbreaks, it is possible to get through it and come out on the other side, like not having any outbreaks anymore. It just does take that work. It takes mm-hmm. work. It's not going to go away on its own. Just like your healing and just like your self-worth work. <laughs> takes yes. work. Is it an it overnight process? <laughs> A lot of people don't want to do the work. That's the problem. They're like, yeah. oh, I want you to do it for me. Well, it doesn't work like that, girls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you put up some very funny reels online, but I would love to segue right into that. I know at the beginning you said, when my vagina is happy, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> love that. So what makes a happy vagina, Adrian? When my vagina is happy, she's not experiencing any infections or any irritation or anything like that. Like I'm also prone to chronic yeast infections because I'm sensitive to candida overgrowth, which is um, a fungal overgrowth in my gut because I was on long-term birth control and antibiotics as a kid. (laughs) And so I have suffered with other chronic infections like yeast and BV and UTIs, which, you know, knock me out for about a week or two, the same thing with herpes. And whenever I get an infection like these, it's like my power goes away. I just want to hide under my blankets and not come out until it heals. And then when my vagina, I call her Maria, by the way, her name is Maria. When Maria, oh my God, I <laughs> when love Maria that. feels good, I am like this juicy, vibrant, magnetic, especially when I'm ovulating, look out, goddess, like you said, like, I don't know, I just feel really confident and really powerful and really just turned on and like tapped in and just horny. <laughs> and attractive. Like I've recently did a talk with my roommate who's kind of a feminine empowerment relationship coach. And I've been really struggling with being somebody that's always been in my masculine energy. So Mm -hmm. learning to drop more into the feminine also really helps to support the nervous system. Because when you're always in your masculine, it's stressful for women, Mm -hmm. naturally and biologically. So I've been learning how to drop into my feminine energy more, which has been really tough, but it's been working and I'm attracting all these people. And it's also part of my vaginal health. And I also always say your vagina, your vaginal health is like your intuition and your vagina will tell you if she doesn't like somebody. Oh my God. I was literally, I, I obviously already follow your social media a lot, but I was giving you a quick stalk beforehand to make sure that I really asked the powerful questions that I desired to ask. My next question was, I saw you write a post about your vagina being your intuition. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I get a lot of women that say to me, oh, I was getting chronic BV infections with this you know, one partner that I've been with for years. And as soon as we broke up, the BV infections went away. And it's the same thing with yeast and UTIs and herpes outbreaks also. And, you know, a lot of the times our subconscious knows if somebody or a situation isn't good for us and it'll tell us in different ways. And it's really interesting when it shows up in the vagina with chronic vaginal infections like BV, like yeast, like UTIs, like herpes outbreaks, like HPV. Like why does it keep happening down there? Mm-hmm. Some people get chronic bronchitis. Some people get chronic, you know, ear infections. So why are we getting chronic vaginal? Why is it coming vaginally? And I say, it's because your vagina is like your intuition. She'll tell you when she doesn't like somebody or something. You just have to listen. It's so funny that you say that. Um, I get very, very infrequent outbreaks. And for a long time, I'd had years of none. And my favorite sexual experience is a threesome with one man, one woman. Love it. My favorite thing. And I had these particular couples that I would organize a threesome with. And then my head would say, I don't know if I should actually do this. And on the Monday, my vagina would speak to me. And by Tuesday, I could feel an outbreak coming on. And by the Wednesday, when I was like, nope, not going through with this experience, it would go. Yeah, And I'd be like, this was before I was aware of how much herpes was speaking to me. And I love how you say make friends with it. I would be like, what the fuck? Like, I really want this experience. I'm excited for this experience. And as soon as it would happen, I'd be like, well, no. And then once I decided no, and then the feeling left, it's like, I feel like my vagina is trying to tell me something. And now in my life, anytime I'm somewhere I'm not meant to be, my vagina will speak. And then I'll mm-hmm. just ask her, what is it that I really need to know? What is it that you're trying to tell me? And so, I mean, I have had beautiful threesome experiences since and she never complains, but I feel like she's a real barrier for entry. If you're not meant to be fucking coming near me, 
then she would just tell me. Exactly. And it's the same thing with me too. My triggers are my home environment. And if anything is unstable in my home environment, I get an outbreak or I get a yeast infection or BV. If I'm going through a relationship breakup, if I know a partner is bad news for me, like usually these things will come up and it's like a protection. And it really is also coming back to the whole energy part of it. I know this is woo woo, but listen, I'm a holistic nutritionist and I believe in this shit because I've experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And it really is an energetic thing too. If anybody's heard of the chakra systems, which is like the seven main energy systems in our body, and these are energy, right? Mm-hmm. Our root chakra is at the base of our spine and it's connected to our genitals. And the emotions and energy connected to it are feeling safe, secure, stable. And there's a couple of other emotions like fear and anger and things like that. So when you're blocked in that area, when you're feeling unsafe, unstable, insecure, you're maybe feeling angry or scared or whatever, the energy can start to manifest in that area and come out as an infection, whether it be herpes or yeast or BV. And it's subconscious too, right? It's energy. It's like, it could also be from the childhood trauma. Our nervous system remembers. It's like imprinted in our nervous system, in our subconscious, and then it comes out in our vaginas. That's a very high level explanation of it, but it's, yeah. So I'm curious when you say that, because I'm just thinking now about you saying make friends with herpes, you've named your vagina Maria, you're very aware of the energetics behind all of this. Are Maria and herpes friends as well, or do they speak to each other? Do you speak to them individually? How does that work for you? I guess I speak to them individually. Herpes isn't, I mean, I haven't had an issue with it for a while, Mm -hmm. but I'll like, I'll get a mirror and look down at Maria and tell her how pretty she is. and you know, really like give her some positive affirmations. Because when you say these things to yourself, you really start to believe it over Mm. time. And it really does help. Mm, So yeah, making really having a good relationship with your vagina. A lot of people are scared. A lot of people even, you know, are ashamed of their vaginas, especially when they have herpes or any kind of infections. And that's the best time to go down and get a mirror and tell her she's Mm -hmm. beautiful, even when you have a vaginal health issue or a herpes outbreak or something like that. That's the crucial time. And I think that's the most beautiful time to do it as well. Because I think what can happen for a lot of women is all of these thoughts, fears around herpes can bring up a lot of trigger in the mind, which can actually prevent us from being able to enjoy pleasure and being able to enjoy our sexuality So many women come to me with blocks around being able to orgasm and a lot of it stem to the deep-rooted shame they have either around the appearance of their genitals and or carrying the herpes virus and or both. Yeah, I know. I just wish we could talk for hours and hours and hours. If we move away from the idea now of the topic now of outbreaks, but now we're talking to the woman who's just really ready to reclaim her confidence post-diagnosis and reclaim her sexuality so she can feel like that goddess energy that you experience when you're in your femininity what would you say to that woman? Oh man, it's really developing a beautiful relationship with your vagina and really tapping into her and listening to her and paying attention to how she's feeling every day. Even if it's just like little micro feelings. Oh, I feel a bit of an itch. Oh, I'm feeling a bit irritation down there. And then really just kind of getting a mirror and looking at her and telling her she's beautiful and just kind of poking around down there and seeing what's up and like looking around down there. Self-pleasure too, masturbation is so huge to start to learn about your own pleasure and what feels good for you. Because when you start working on that and building your confidence within yourself, you can then start building your confidence back with partners. And the thing is, is like these things can be really traumatizing, like a herpes diagnosis, recurring herpes outbreaks, chronic vaginal infections can be almost like a trauma. And it is hard when it comes to sex to be able to relax and enjoy because some women, they constantly worry about if sex is going to trigger an outbreak, if they're going to give it to their partners and whatever. But it's really just getting familiar with the relationship with your vagina really working on that relationship between here and down here and really just, you know, self-pleasure, taking care of yourself, prioritizing your self-care, 
learning about how to take the best care of yourself with your diet and with your lifestyle, managing your stress, like really prioritizing your self-care. It's not an overnight process, especially for the women who just aren't used to it or they're busy and they are kind of reluctant to slow down. You really have to do the work. And once you do and you start feeling it and you start feeling better with time, you'll start to rebuild that confidence back again. It's not an overnight process. Took me a few years, like I said, at the beginning of this, but I'm telling you, it is possible. And And you can use me as an example. What would you say to the woman that was attached to the timeline? Like, I need it healed now. Yeah, well, that's unrealistic. I mean, it's not an overnight process. It does take work and it really does take you to identify like, what's that voice? Where's that voice coming from? Who's Mm -hmm. telling you that? Because that's not you, I'm sure. It's, it's really just like starting to tune into your body and listening to what it needs. And when, you know, these high-performing women are just used to go, go, going all the time, that can be really challenging at first, mm-hmm. but it really is taking a step back, slowing down and listening, meditating, getting outside in nature, grounding yourself, walking outside, even going by the ocean, like chilling out, doing yoga, like doing some more low impact activities, exercises, taking baths, you know, self-pleasure, like having a really nice bedtime self-care routine. All of these things Mm -hmm. will add up. And over time, you know, positive affirmations to yourself over time, it will start to get better. Mm -hmm. And um, for the woman who's like, okay, I'm listening to that, but I also believe that no one will love me like this. What would you say to that woman? Trust me, there will be lots of people who will love you. Trust Mm. me. Trust me. And it also is like, again, where is that story coming from? Mm -hmm. What's the deeper meaning behind that? Where is that coming from? Is it coming from your childhood? And journaling about that, Mm -hmm. seeing where those feelings, when have you felt like that before? And then maybe working with a therapist or mindset coach or something like that, that can help you identify those feelings and work through them in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Because trust me, you will find love again and you can have an amazing sex life with herpes. That was going to be my next question. True or false? Herpes ruins your sex life. False. (sighs) Hallelujah. And why? It actually can make it better. Yeah. I find especially when you have a disclosure conversation with somebody and the person on the receiving end, you know, takes it well. And it really does build a next level of intimacy Mm -hmm. with a partner. And it is just for me anyways, that's how it feels for me. And even if somebody isn't okay with it, who is on the receiving end of a disclosure, I know that those people wouldn't be for me anyways. And so it's a good filter. And it really comes back to, you mentioned safety earlier in the podcast. And so when you have this beautiful disclosure conversation with it, and maybe the woman who's having it isn't as embodied in acceptance as you and I are right now. So she could be feeling an amount of nervousness. Is this person going to reject me, judge me, shame me, berate me? All these fears are really real for her in that moment. And then she has the disclosure and he, she turns around and says, oh my God, thank you so much. I really respect you for sharing with me. And I'm here in this with you. I'm really like, it doesn't bother me. And how can I make you feel comfortable in this experience? What I find when that happens is the safety that you touched on immediately lands in the body. And now the depth of connection and intimacy that we're able to experience and the removal of all the fears from the mind when we're having sex. Some women, you know, when they don't disclose, there are so many fears that are present, they can't be present to their sexual experience. Once he, she can hold you in that, the depth of the intimacy that you're able to experience just elevates. Mm-hmm, exactly. That happened to me recently. And I disclose, I was, I still get really nervous when I disclose, especially if I really like somebody. Mm. And the person I recently disclosed to, I have a bit of a history with, I've known him for a few years and actually he saved my life, which is so crazy. <laughs> he literally did. I almost died a couple of years ago of anaphylactic shock and he literally rescued me. But oh my um, God. He's, it's so crazy because I've known him for a long time, but I was only like a friendship relationship, but he was like one of the most handsome men I've ever seen. And we started getting flirty and things were kind of getting sexual. So I was ready to disclose, but I was super nervous. 
And even still, when I'm confident in myself with it, I was still really nervous. But when I told him, he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I know a lot about HSV2. I've done a bunch of research on this. And he launched into this story and started educating me about stuff. And I was just like, oh, my oh my, okay, check, please. We were in a restaurant. I'm like, now we got to go home now. And we had, I think I was able to really open up to him because it was the best sex of my life. Like connected, like into, oh, it was so good. But it was Uh, so, I I was so, I would always be like, oh, this guy's out of my league. My mentality was this guy's out of my league. He would never accept me for herpes. He could have any girl he wants, you know, this type of a guy. Uh-uh, that is not true. Mm-hmm. I disclosed and he was totally cool with it. Oh my God, love it. Yeah. I love that, love so it. I think for women who are still kind of fearing the disclosure conversation and feeling really nervous and like, you know, really dreading these conversations, I always say the more you learn about herpes and how it works and how it works in your body, the more confident you will be going into these conversations mm-hmm. And like the more you learn how to manage it, because it's so easy to manage, it's really, and you see it as not a big deal in your life. And the way that you tell people doesn't come across as it being a big deal. They'll take it. They'll receive it as not a big deal. Mm. But if you go into these conversations loaded with shame and fear and emotions and like, you know, nervousness and those things, that that's how the person on the receiving end will see it. It really is not what you say, but how you say it. Yeah, And learning about herpes is the best thing that you can do because a lot of people just avoid. That's exactly what I said. Follow, you know, women like you, women like me, become educated, get straight off Google doctor. And for women who are like, but I've never disclosed before, how am I ever to disclose with confidence? Obviously, there's going to be a natural element of nervousness. Even you just shared with us that you still experience nervousness and you've got it blasted all over your Instagram account. So one would never think that until you share that openly with us. And that's where I feel the power of mirror work and almost practicing your disclosure statement, whether it's via text or you're going to use your voice around it, practicing it in the mirror so that it's not just the first time I do it is with this person that I'm about to deep dive into potential intimacy with, but it's been so practiced and you're so used to looking at yourself and repeating that disclosure statement over that when you go into it, there's an element of, I've already said this multiple times and I'm embodied in the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. And texting is a great way too. Like it's a great way if, especially if this is new to you, this might be a first time disclosing. It's a great way to kind of get that off of your chest without the pressure of having to do it in front of the person. And it takes a lot of pressure off of you and that person too, because a lot of the time for a lot of people, it's their first time on the receiving end of a herpes disclosure. And a lot of people just don't know enough about it. So when you text and you give just a couple of points and you just really keep it simple without any emotion in it. It's just straight facts. It's, it goes, you know, I guess it depends on the person, but it can take a lot of that pressure and nervousness away. Well, that, you know, it's funny that you say that because I've never been a disclosure via text person, but my deep acceptance of the herpes virus came when I put it on Tinder. And so what I didn't realize is that actually really set me up for success because instead of focusing so much on who wouldn't accept me, I was now all of a sudden shown all the people who were open to the conversation and they're open to it because it was written there. And then that segued into them accepting it, me knowing they're accepting or even just open to the conversation. And that's starting the conversation that then got me so practiced in, well, A, in the belief, so embodied deeply in the belief that so many people are really ready and willing to be open to this conversation. And now I can talk about it with so much ease and confidence. So even though for a long time I was like, no, no, always disclose verbally, you know, it's human to human connection. I realize now I really set myself up for success via a message, but it was just blasted all over Tinder instead. Yeah. Yeah. That works too, for sure. Yeah. I used to put so much pressure on myself to disclose in person. And I think it depends on the situation, the person, the circumstances, like a couple of guys I disclosed to over text because I didn't really know them that well. Like they were guys I met online. There wasn't really a big investment. I was like, oh, I don't really have a lot to lose. Instead of putting all this pressure on myself, I'll just disclose over text. But with the guy recently that I have like a three-year history with, and I know like we're friends, I was like, this is, yeah, I need to have this conversation in person. Mm -hmm. Well, my love, 
I have so enjoyed chatting with you today. I always ask all my guests the same question. So the podcast is called Raw, Real and Vulnerable with Beck Antonucci. And I'm really curious what it means to you uniquely to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life. Oh boy. I think just being unapologetically and authentically you, you know, and when you feel like it's take, like I said, it's taking me years to get to this point where I feel super confident within myself. And it's gotten to a point now where sure I care, you know, if somebody that I like and I'm disclosing to, I still get nervous, but I feel so much more empowered in myself now. And that showing up as the authentic version of me, and it's so real and raw and powerful, it really does attract the right people into my life. And it really helps me to build my own self-confidence, which then manifests into more attraction. Mm -hmm. So it really has, you know, takes a lot of work. It's taken me years and a lot of personal development work to get here. But I think that's what it means for me is really just showing up as me and not giving as much of a fuck anymore about what people think of me. And if people reject me, it has nothing to do with me. Mm. It's more of, a, of, of what's going on for them and really trying not to take these things on my shoulders or too personally. Amen. Thank you so much. I love that chat. I love everything that you do in the world. I love. I always bring Adrian into my breakthrough program to be a guest masterclass mentor for the women as well. For anyone listening to this who has never connected with you and is now dying to, where can they find you? Where's the best place to look for you online? Oh, my community and my kind of hub of communication is on my Instagram at Yoni Nutritionist, mm-hmm. where I share so much content for like free, valuable content on all things vaginal health. I have my website where I've written blog posts and I'm also on TikTok for fun, but Yoni Nutritionist on Instagram is the best place to start. Amazing. All those details will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And I'm probably going to have to get Adrian in every single season because we could just talk for hours and hours and hours on end in all of this. So thank you for sharing you with us. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.